Are Women Losing the War Against Heart Disease? You are listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I am your host, Dr. Matthew Sorrentino from the University of Chicago, and with me today is Dr. Joanne Foody. Dr. Foody is the Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School and the Director of the Cardiovascular Wellness Center at Brigham and Women's Faulkner Hospital in Boston. Dr. Foody, welcome to the show today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Today we're going to discuss women and heart disease and specifically look and see what type of impact we are making on this disease. As I'm sure most of our listeners know, heart disease is still the number one cause of death in women in this country. Is that right? That's absolutely correct. And this is a fact that I think as much as many of our healthcare professionals may know, in the community, we find that women still believe that breast cancer is their major threat for mortality and morbidity. But the reality is, as you've stated, that women's number one health threat is cardiovascular disease. Now, have we been making any impact on this disease? Has there been a decrease in heart disease mortality in women? Certainly, overall, we've made tremendous strides in dealing with cardiovascular disease in general for both men and women. And in general, over the last several decades, we had seen a decrease in mortality for both men and women. Unfortunately, more recently, we have a, a very alarming trend that, in fact, the gains we had seen in improvements in survival are reversing, particularly in women. And we see this, unfortunately, in young women who present with myocardial infarction, and other consequences of cardiovascular disease. So unfortunately, young women today have a higher mortality rate due to cardiovascular disease than they did perhaps a decade ago. Now, when you say younger women, what is the average age for a woman to have a heart attack in this country? Well, in this country, as you're aware, older women tend to have the, on average, be more likely to have a heart attack or cardiovascular disease. And the average age is probably about 65. But that being said, we have to recognize that given the changing demographic in our society with increases in diabetes and obesity, in fact, we're seeing a growing number of young women, women in the ages of 35 to 45 range, where we're starting to see a higher prevalence of cardiovascular conditions. So these are women that would still be pre-menopause. I thought that these women were relatively protected from heart disease. Well, you know, we used to think that, and we've always all, as clinicians, made the assumption that premenopausal women are protected from heart disease. But we have to recognize that, again, in face of this epidemic of diabetes and obesity, we eliminate any advantage that women have with respect to cardiovascular risk. So a diabetic woman, irrespective of her age, has exactly the same risk as a man of that same age. And we really negate any potential benefit of hormones or premenopausal status. And we have to remember that because unfortunately, given that, this is why we're seeing more and more women present with heart disease at earlier and earlier ages. So I suspect this is probably not very well known because I suspect many women premenopause still think that they're protected and yet they're developing diseases like diabetes which are negating that protective effect. So how can we try to convince healthcare deliverers and women that risk is starting at a much earlier age? This is really the essential question. 
we as clinicians need to make sure that we first and foremost understand the significance of cardiovascular disease in women and the significant burden of risk that is present in the women that we see. We also need to be advocates for women and we need to educate women and increase awareness for women with respect to this epidemic of cardiovascular disease. There are national programs that exist, some of them through the NHLBI, the Heart Truth, for example, is trying to spread the word to women about heart disease. The American Heart Association's Go Red for Women campaign, again, has been trying to increase awareness. And finally, there are more local programs such as Sister to Sister, which has been instrumental in screening women in urban areas to identify cardiovascular risk. But these are all programs that certainly can't reach everyone. And we need to be very, very aggressive in educating women that we see in our practice. Now, I'm concerned that the mortality in these younger women seems to be high. Are women just not recognizing symptoms so they're not getting to a health care deliverer on time when they have their heart attack? Well, this issue of increased mortality in women, particularly young women with heart attack, has been studied quite a bit. And there are several hypotheses as to why this occurs. So first, as you've said, very few women, again, in that 35 to 45-year age group, are thinking that that pain that is in their chest has anything to do with their heart. So they tend to delay diagnoses. They tend to present later in the course of their MI, unfortunately with larger MIs, more symptoms of heart failure, which then obviously impact their potential survival in hospital and beyond. Besides that, we recognize that as a healthcare system, we don't apply evidence-based therapy to these women to the degree that we do in men. So, for example, women are much less likely to have appropriate interventional therapies, appropriate aggressive early interventions, including aspirin and beta blockers during their MI, and are also less likely to have proportionally the same discharge medications, all of which we know improve outcomes. So we have some natural history issues as well as our lack of applying what we know in women. If you're just joining us, you're listening to a ReachMD special series exploring heart health on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Matt Sorrentino, and I'm speaking with Dr. Joanne Foody, and we are discussing women and heart disease and the difficulty in diagnosing women at an earlier age. Now, I've heard that many women present with more atypical symptoms. Is part of the problem that the symptoms that women have when they have their heart attack are much more different than men's symptoms? When women present with MI, they present in a fashion that, as we're learning, is typical for women, but certainly atypical when we think about how men present with MI. Women still, first and foremost, present with chest pain as the most common presenting symptom, although proportionally this is less because we also have many women presenting with quote-unquote atypical symptoms, which may include indigestion, dyspnea, syncope, and a variety of other much less specific signs and symptoms certainly than what we see in a more typical male presentation with MI. Because of this, the diagnosis of MI in women may be delayed, further increasing the likelihood for 
poor outcomes in this setting. Now, it seems that in order to identify these women at an earlier age, we're going to need to do some sort of evaluation. What would be a recommended evaluation for a woman in this age group, 35 to 55, who's presenting with atypical symptoms? If a woman is presenting to the hospital with symptomatology that may be consistent with myocardial ischemia, we need to rapidly assess whether, in fact, this is a myocardial infarction. As we all know, EKG within 10 minutes, very aggressive early use of biomarkers in this setting is helpful. We also need to recognize that even if women are ruled out for myocardial infarction, that there are likely to be many other risk factors that they have, and those need to be addressed if not during this presentation, certainly in follow-up. And I think really we need to step back in women and take a look at, at women's access to health care, whether we're applying preventive strategies appropriately in women, and how we can more effectively address risk in women, understanding that our current risk paradigms, the Framingham Risk Score, for example, tend to underestimate risk in women. So this is really a global problem that, to me, starts quite early. And we need to focus more on preventing and reducing risk in women in particular. So it sounds like if a woman presents with even atypical symptoms to the emergency department, it's the same type of protocol, men and women. But what about to the office? A woman comes to the office is having these kind of funny atypical symptoms. Is stress testing as a reliable predictor of future coronary events uh, in a younger woman? Well, if women present with chest pain or symptomatology that's suggestive, we do need to go down the route of more aggressive risk stratification. And based on what risks may be keeping company in this particular woman sitting in our office, we, that then informs the kind of testing that we need to do. Unfortunately, routine exercise ECG stress testing is often problematic in women due to underlying changes in the ECG with exercise that often create false positives in women. So it's essential that we identify an appropriate group of women for stress testing and pick the appropriate test based on their pretest probability of disease. And I tend to focus on those intermediate risk women using exercise stress testing as a base to understand exercise tolerance, functional capacity, and develop a risk score based on that, but understanding that I may need imaging tests to help delineate what may be false positives or false negatives, in fact, in women using that modality alone. Now, you mentioned the Framingham risk algorithm, how it is many times inadequate in women, and many times a woman will have a low risk at this age group. Are there other risk factors above and beyond Framingham that you take into consideration in this age group to put a woman into the intermediate category? Absolutely. I think the Framingham risk score is a wonderful starting point, but particularly in women, tends to underestimate risk. This is in large part due to the fact that it doesn't account for things such as family history. It doesn't account for obesity. We know that diabetic patients aren't to be included in the Framingham risk, 
But beyond that, it doesn't account for insulin resistance and prediabetes. So we have a variety of risks known to be particularly potent in women that aren't accounted for in the Framingham Risk Score. Well, I want to thank Dr. Joanne Foody, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing the war against heart disease in women, especially focusing on younger women who may be developing the disease earlier and presenting with heart attacks unbeknownst to many of their healthcare professionals. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To comment or to listen to our full library of podcasts, please visit us at reachmd.com. Register with the promo code RADIO and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. And thank you for listening.